welcome once again to a novel evening. As always, I'm Danny. You can find me over on Instagram and TikTok as at a novel evening podcast. Hello, welcome. Thanks for listening. As you're listening now, we are going to be deep into spooky season. Uh, it's fully autumn, and we are all about the gothic novels this time of year and the author joining me tonight has written the perfect read for this weather her name is kate collins and her book a good house for children is the one you want if you want to get a little chilly by the fireplace uh if you're not unless you're like me and you're way too scared to read scary books this time of year um (laughs) this is a summer read for me um but first and foremost this is set in dorset Dorset born bread, so it already has my heart. But uh, I have a feeling Kate's going to bring something a little different to her novel evening. I can't wait to chat to her all about the book to find out more about the inspirations behind it. So uh, check it out. So a huge hello to Kate. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm oh, very thank excited. you for thank you for coming along. I'm very very excited to chat to you. And and how are you on this day? Because I feel like autumn's arrived now. You're looking very cozy in your in your knitwear. Yeah. No. I'm uh, resisting the heating currently. Yeah. So lots of big jumpers. Um, but of course, it is spooky season, which is my favorite. Very on brand. Love it that. is. I, that's my favourite part. And I've got to say, I'm I'm too pathetic to read spooky books when it's <laughs> dark. So I tend to read them in like summer. But I know most people would read it this time of year. You know, the, the early evenings are creeping in and it's kind of getting cosy. And whereabouts are you, by the way? I need to ask where you are currently. So I am presently tip top North Oxfordshire um, in a very tiny village where I don't have to see or speak to anyone, which frankly is the dream. <laughs> so when it's, but when it's, you know, winter and that kind of autumn, like it is quite bleak. It's, it's pretty savage. Um, I was say. Yeah, but we're lucky. We've got a nice log burner. So Ooh. stick that on, curl up with a good book. Nice. And we were sharing before this. So we're both familiar with where you were born and raised in Cork in Ireland. I would also describe as a fairly windswept, desolate part of the world. It's a very beautiful. Yes, extremely so. Uh, you might hear my husband fiddling with a bag of ice as, as, as he pours himself a drink in the background. Apologies. I'm not going to judge. <laughs> Yeah, so I was born in, in Cork and raised in a wee village called Roscarbury, just between Clonakilty and Skibbereen. Um, so quite quite west Cork. Um and yeah, it's a weird place. It's amazing, but it's yeah. I was saying to you, my parents currently live very close to this area. They've lived there ooh. Oh God, they've lived like six times and I th- like six years and I've been there like three times. So it's really exciting because nobody ever knows where I'm from. <laughs> like my, you know, voice doesn't really give it away. I've, I've been, I've been here for a bit too long. Yeah. As I say, you don't have any twang. At- and also the Cork accent is when I went, oh, I could understand yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah, no. When, so when I so I grew up there and when I was young like you could float rocks on it it is it's a thick accent and also people talk really really fast (laughs) so I remember we went to the pub once and my husband was there god bless him you know my step-grandmother is Irish I've been around a lot of Irish family on my dad's side so I had like a little understanding he had nothing and one of the very elderly gentlemen in the pub spoke to him and it was like he'd spoken another language and my husband's (laughs) face went like 
blank because he was like I should know yeah and obviously yeah it's so thick it's fairly impenetrable and when I moved here as a kid my I was very quick to lose it because my teachers at my English school would be like I don't know what you're saying and they would always tell me to speak properly was the word that they use like slow down and speak properly as I was speaking properly so I was really self-conscious about my accent and worked quite hard as a kid to lose it because you know when you're a kid you you don't want to be different do you you want to be you know you want to fit in um, but even now I've got quite a hard R so people think I'm from like Bristol or from like Devon that kind of thing yep so yeah, yeah. it makes me like obviously a little while ago some boys from Scabreen were in the press <laughs> from the rowing the Olympic <laughs> rowing team and I was trying to explain to people that they're not putting that on that's not an exaggeration that is how everybody speaks yes and although I think that the Mayo accent is if anything further impenetrable so apologies to any listeners from mayo but i think that's a really weird one and we've got another little little strange crossover because obviously your Mm. novel a good home for children is set in my home county of dorset again i don't think i really have the accent so it might be kind of hard to tell sometimes i think it comes out you know, you don't have a Dorset accent at all, really, from what I understand of the Dorset accent, which is very, very minimal. But yeah, you don't sound like you're from like you're from there. If I say summer. Oh yeah, there you go. There it was, is. I liked that name for my daughter, and my husband's like, no. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> and I say lorry as well. So when people look at me and they're like, there it is. But other than that, but I think Dorset is quite a faint. Compared to like Bristol or Somerset or Devon, mm-hmm. Dorset's a bit of a weird place for that. I think you depends what side of the border you cross. Yeah, it's just it's just a, a, a very weird place in general. Like it's it's brilliant, but it was completely mad. I've only ever been there once, and then I felt quite guilty about sort of appropriating it for a book. But it was just full of mad people who were great, and I thought, yeah, this is really good. <laughs> Can I ask where you visited? Yeah, so I went down with a friend and the plan was to do sections of the Dorset Coast Path. So we kind of walked, we did like various different bits. And now this was 2014, so good Lord, nine years ago. Yep. Um, that That is how long a book takes to get published, by the way. Uh, well, to write it and then to publish it. Um, but we did, we stayed in who? Mm-hmm. Not kind of so walked. weird. That's kind of metropolitan. Quite metropolitan, yeah. We did like bits uh, between Lulworth and Poole. And then there was a lighthouse. And we also visited a weird island that had some kind of military base on it. And I... That wasn't Portland. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I think it's now a youth offenders. Yeah, no, it was quite scary. We were like, what is this? And then there were all the signs and like alarms and stuff. Um, but I was also, full disclosure, fairly drunk for most of that trip. We just sort of walked it's around. It's the best way to be when you visit <laughs> Portland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought you were going to venture. As soon as you said Coast Path, I thought, oh God, it's going to literally be my hometown. So I'm a little further down the way I'm from Bridport so a little further down West Bay Bridport Lyme Regis you didn't go quite as deep it gets weirder (laughs) 
Yeah, no, I definitely got that impression. No, we we were quite sedate, I think. We didn't want to do like kind of heavy hiking. It was more like sort of yep. day, day walks. Um, but yeah, it was just great. And the people were really nice. And the crab, obviously, was excellent. So we just sort of ate a lot of crab, drank a lot of wine, wandered around, got lost a bit. It was good. Well, Dorset obviously left quite a strong impression because it's obviously <laughs> the setting for your novel. And you've written a bit of a spooky novel. And again, I think it's fair to say it's an excellent setting for that kind of read. So firstly, tell me about this book. Tell listeners what your book is about. Sure. So <clears throat> A Good House for Children is um, a sort of dual narrative haunted house novel. And it draws quite a lot on the very traditional kind of English gothic tropes I say draws on really what I mean is steel um <laughs> there's there's not a single original thought in this novel people who read it are like oh and then this bit's like the yellow wallpaper and I was like uh-huh yep yep that's where that came from or like there's a there's a whole sequence of um a particular thing with a painting and that's come straight from um you know, The Witches by Roald Dahl, where the girl gets trapped yes. in the oil painting. I was like, that's amazing. I'm just going to use that. Uh, but I think I think authors do, do tend to steal. Um, so it follows two families, one kind of in the present day, one in the 70s. I thought about doing it in Victorian times, but I also couldn't be bothered to do a lot of that research. So I was like, well, what can I... Where, when, when can I set it that kind of I know vaguely bits about? So um, it follows these two families, primarily the women in the families, one's a nanny, one's a mother, um, and how they sort of deal with this house that's quite malevolent, really. Um, and it deals a lot with, like, the concept of time and grief and kind of, I guess, motherhood as well, um, or, like, being a wife and a mother and how that affects different people in different ways. And... I don't think it's that scary. A lot of people do think it's quite scary, but I think it's hard to find it scary when you've written it yourself. Yeah. Um, the men in it are fairly absent <laughs> because I've got I've got no cause to write about men. They're not they're not very interesting. <laughs> sorry, sorry to all the men. <laughs> Is your husband still floating around? Oh, <laughs> he's around. He's always around. Uh, he's had um, it before is that uh, yeah um so I I I love like that really kind of um I, I guess quite English gothic so like Turn of mm -hmm. the Screw, M.R. James, um Daphne du Maurier um and a, a novel called Little Stranger by Sarah Waters yeah that book um so I kind of just sort of wanted to make my own contribution to that genre really and this is what I came up with and I mean, we've touched on your inspirations, shall we say, <laughs> and the setting. What was it that drew you to do kind of the dual perspective? Because obviously you're, that's quite difficult when you're juggling characters and the setting. And did you always know it was going to work out that way? I think it was a really interesting device to show the effects of place on different configurations of people. Um, and it was an interesting way to play with the concept of time and how that's mm. used in the novel. Um, and I could kind of get more characters in that way as well. 
and I do I do think that there's something a bit spooky about sort of the past like it's a great trope for a, a reason but I didn't want to go like I didn't want to write a historical novel um because I'm lazy we established the research <laughs> yeah exactly and also like there's a lot of great historical gothic um but that's not my sort of primary driver so I didn't want to sort of try and imitate anything else mm. um but I I really enjoy a lot of dual narrative novels myself and I thought oh that'll be really fun and actually it was really really hard to do uh turn, turns out it is quite a tricky thing to achieve as a writer I, I kept forgetting which bit went where and my editor would be like oh um this this person's got a baby but we haven't seen a baby for like 80 pages and I was like oh god the baby so like trying, trying to keep track of everything across both timelines was really difficult yeah. I don't I don't know that I'd recommend it for brand new writers I don't think I realized the challenge that I'd set myself but it was fun to do in the end yeah and was there a pressure to make it scary were you ever worried as you were writing like oh do you know what maybe this isn't gonna be scary maybe this isn't gonna hit in the way I want it to I well was there pressure to make it scary no I, I really wanted to make it scary and I thought I could and I love horror novels horror films I like to think I have a decent idea of what is scary but scary is really difficult because it's different for everybody yeah um different people find different things really frightening so what was hard and where I did feel pressure was making it subtle enough to be spooky and not so overt that it kind of lost impact and not trying to be all things to all people right like it's not a slasher novel it's not like core horror it is what it is and I didn't want to sort of write something that was only trying to be scary because then it's not scary is it so yeah kind of finding the balance of the scare was the challenge I think because yeah. it can always tip over into a bit campy as well mm. if you really overhand being scary something yeah. becomes a bit funny when you're reading yeah. it you're like oh god something else has happened like it becomes a bit absurd yeah it's a bit like in kind of like a slasher film when everybody ends up covered in guts and blood it stops having the impact at least yeah. for me so trying to not over egg the pudding was my main concern um but yeah so like the the scares in it are quite quiet and they're sort of left to your imagination like depend depending on how you read it is that scary I think and that that was fun to kind of play play with as well yeah and you touched very briefly so I'm also a film student um mm. and notoriously pathetic when it comes to horrors um <laughs> I have I had to make a horror film uh for my last module last year was not going to watch anything to inspire that not interested but did you watch anything in particular that you kind of drew upon for this book as well would you say um well yes so a film that definitely um, is a great reference point and actually has been, has been used as a comparison by other people and I'm really glad that when when people talk about this film in relation to the novel it makes me really happy because I feel like they've picked up on what I was trying to do with the book mm. um, and that film is The Others starring Nicole Kidman. Oh I, 
I've watched that from a very long time ago. Was very frightened mm-hmm. of it, but I did love the the twists and the the way they did it. it was very clever. Yes. Um, so that's and it's also very atmospheric, mm-hmm. very claustrophobic, and very kind of contained <laughs> around this mother and her children. Um, you know, it, so in that way, like it's it's quite a tight film. Um, and also a BBC series, which was on years ago now, uh, with Colin Morgan in, and it was called The Living and the Dead. Ooh. And he played, uh, it followed him and his family. They were like farm landowners in, I don't know, the 1800s, late 1800s, something like that. Um, it's ringing a bell. Yeah, it's really, really good. I don't know if it's on iPlayer, but if it is, people should watch it. Um, and it never got renewed for a second series, and I was devastated because it was great. Um, but that was a big inspiration too. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of like more quiet, atmospheric kind of unraveling feeling is what I was trying to achieve. So, and did you ever have moments while you're writing that you did feel a little bit unsettled or a bit uneasy when you were writing things if you were alone or I have a very overactive imagination (laughs) it's very easy for me to write things and be a bit freaked out by creaks and things like that not really because I think a huge amount of like fear comes from the unknown or from the suspense and when you are the architect of the story, you know it inside out, you know it so well, you know exactly what's going on and what's going to happen next. So, no, I, I never scared myself. But then I'm difficult to scare. So, unlike you. <laughs> unlike, very much unlike me. I mean, so I read, I we were talking about Laura Purcell and our love for her and her work. The oh. Silent Companions scared me so much and I went to a, a place in Devon called Castle Drogo and they had silent companions Ooh, in one of the rooms and my brain couldn't I couldn't deal with that <laughs> and I was trying to meet my children there and I was like just keep going just keep walking past these but that's the thing it's like you say it's fear is the imagination right and what you are picturing and I guess if you're the architect of that the fear isn't there so much yeah and like in in books as well as film like when I'm shown too much or given too much it takes away a, a, from the fear for me yeah <clears throat> so I, I never want to be given too much so my favorite horror film ever is the Blair Witch Project because you never see anything you don't see anything yes I do I rewatched that recently it. that's one I can watch it does still frighten me but I, I made some of my fellow uni students who hadn't seen it watch it because again it's all about what you think. You see, you see nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it was made for art. such a cheap budget. Some handheld cameras and a few students. Literally, it's terrifying. incredible. It's terrifying, and that film I, I think is testament to the power of your own imagination. I don't want to be given the answer or given the monster. Like, don't show me. Um, so yeah, I think that was such, such a clever film, and like without aging myself too much, like I was kind of prime for that. So that's no, all big sames, big sames. Yep, <laughs> I was probably like a little bit too young to really supposed to be watching it, but obviously mm. we did. And obviously, growing up in Dorset, I lived surrounded by woods. Yes, the woods, terrifying. What better watching? <laughs> yeah, awful, horrific. Yeah, I I was too young to see it in the cinema, but yeah, um, I saw it a couple of years after it got released onto video, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Um, <laughs> and that I I think began my love for horror, but also like as a kid, I would read Stephen King and stuff, and I've I've never found those particularly scary. Oh, I will never read it. I hate clowns, so that's already straight 
off the board for me. And I watched The Shining quite recently, actually, to rewatch it. And I didn't find it particularly, I found it unsettling and uneasy. But I think that was more Jack Nicholson than the actual yeah. I think the magic of Stephen King is in his characters and the books I I think are always a bit <clears throat> more successful than the films just just because a lot of the scares in Stephen King and I think a thing he loves to kind of delve into is the breakdown of human relationships yes that's interpersonal or within a community and that's what's really terrifying like he writes bad people really really well yeah. um and those are always the scariest moments yeah. for me. And I know he said, like, with The Shining, you know, in the book, the main character is battling alcoholism and he's much more torn than you see him in the film. He's kind of, also, it's Jack Nicholson. You kind of see him straight away and you're like, well, he's going to be a bad guy. Look at look at him. Look at his face. Look at those eyebrows. <laughs> terrifying. When he's, when he's trying to be, like, benevolent and he's smiling, he's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the book, he was more of kind of an everyman and meant to be quite charming yeah. and quite attractive yeah. and, you know, he's battling alcoholism. And those nuances aren't really touched on in the film. Yeah, and I think I think kind of that, like, human psyche thing is is what King does really, really well. And in the, in the book of The Shining, it's a breakdown of a fairly ordinary man. That kind of feeling of, well, that could happen to anybody. Like, that's really scary. And yet, Jan Nicholson, you're like, yeah, you shouldn't be staying in this hotel. This is already a bad idea. Clearly it's going to be awful. Um, Yeah. yeah. I mean, to to be fair, that is one of the more successful films of his books. (laughs) The ones that he doesn't tend to direct are are, are better, I'd say. Sorry, Stephen King. Yeah. And now look, what comes next for you in terms of (laughs) writing? I mean, this is at the point where, I don't know if you're working on something else. I don't know if you've got ideas. What comes next? Um, so in terms of this book, Out in the States, which is awesome, and it's coming out in France in January, very exciting. Oh. Trey's exciting, she says, <laughs> GCSE French. Uh, and then I am working on something um, featuring, well, I, I I just find people very interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good at plot, <laughs> which thankfully is where my wonderful agent and my editor helped me. Um, but I like writing about people and also weird people. So I'm like a vibes-based novelist. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll see. There's like something on the boil. Um, but I think I find writing about people really satisfying. Like I, I just want to write a whole novel about like a really weird person. Do you think <laughs> but, it's going to be still in the kind of gothic horror kind of vein? Do you think that's kind of where your strength is? Or do you think you'll play around with genres? I think it will be on the dark side because that's what I enjoy reading as well. Um, but I think it won't be like a sort of, you know, gothic ghost story. Like I, I just wanted to write one really good one to kind of like see if I could. And I did. And that's really awesome. Um, but so, yes, it will be weird and possibly a bit disgusting um, and a bit horrible, but no ghosts this time. No ghosts. Okay. Now, look, I'm, I don't want to say I've got an idea about your novel evening. You've described in detail the kind of people you like to read, the kind of characters you like. So I'm expecting not our usual kind of quaint affair, maybe. Oh, I don't know. I think you're going to be either shocked or disappointed. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Okay. So I always start off with where are we going to go for your evening that's kind of the main thing okay so 
my first answer that I kind of wrote down for this was I would love to go to um, a place in Switzerland. So this is a real place and it's okay. called the Geiger Bar. And it was designed by H.R. Geiger, who did all the um, aliens. Already weird. <laughs> or alien. So like it looks like kind of a set of alien almost. But then I was like, oh, well, that's not from a book. So I can't, I can't have that. Like, oh, you, I mean, anything goes. So I mean, well, you can start the bar maybe. and find your way to location too. We Maybe there. But if we are going to go to a second location, um, then I would like to go to Edoras uh, in Rohan. Oh, damn. Nobody has ever. Imagine the party atmosphere in that great hall banging. Like that, that is a vibe. I would love an evening in, out, in um, with the Rohirrim. I I, I think that would be great. Yes. And (laughs) I I saw a TikTok recently that was like, what is the female equivalent of the Roman Empire? And it was the moment that Aragorn bursts through the doors. If we could orchestrate that, if it just happened to occur on the same evening. If you could, although I have to say, film Aragorn is better than book Aragorn. Yes, Aragorn's quite dry. Nerds come come at me, but it's true. (laughs) I completely agree. Mm. I, I, no, I'm going to get shot down this. I prefer the films to the books and I'm a diehard. I have Lord of the Rings tattoos. I'm a diehard fan. I think Tolkien Mm -hmm. is a genius but I think the love Peter Jackson had for the books and the source material shines. So that's I think the Amazon show was shit for, but like oh of no, oh I watched the whole thing to the end and just and then I completely forgot about it. Yeah, I watched all of it and immediately it just fell out of my brain. Yeah. So and I don't even know if they're doing a second season. I have. You know what it was like in the first episode. It was Howard Shaw's music. That's what was missing. There was no, that score takes you straight there. And that's like, that's obviously going to be playing somehow. And Hedgerus, I don't know how. They were magical films. And I, I have a deep, deep love for the books. I I read them every couple of years. They're very special to me. I used to read yep. them with, with my grandparents. I've got, you know, really old copies, like from the 60s. Amazing. The films f- fulfill a different niche. They're just a different thing. They are excellent. What I liked about the films was that they kind of, um, had touches of humour, which the books kind of don't that much. Also, like a lot fewer songs, which I'm grateful for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was no Tom Bombadil. Oh, and thank and thank God, honestly, he is he's not invited to the to the novel evening. Imagine. I always forget whenever people like say to me, "Oh, shall I read the books?" and I'm like, "I'm just going to warn you now. When you see a chapter about Tom Bombadil, just flip, just, just flip, just keep on flipping, keep going." I, I, think, very much. I think that's a fairly like I think that's a fairly widely held opinion. I don't yeah. think that's anything particularly controversial. So. And you're the only person that I can think of in like 135 episodes or something insane to ever pick Edoras. Oh, imagine the feasting, the drink, the drinking, the fires. It would be brilliant. Uh, okay, I'm. I'm. Maybe be gag about after. Maybe when things have really taken a turn and some of the oh. really wild last ones standing can be dragged to this weird... Can you imagine them just being like, where are we? Oh, I just think it would be great. And then I was like think, thinking about it. And like, oh, I wish it was real so I could go there, but never mind. 
say, do you know what? Every time I want to go to New Zealand so badly and I know it will be beautiful, but I was, I still think I'm going to step off and it's going to be like I'm literally in Lord of the Rings and it won't be. I don't think it will. Yeah, we're, we're planning a trip for next year. We're going to go for a month next Christmas. Um, and uh, I, <laughs> my husband, Timothy, was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I'm only going for one one reason. And then once that's done, we can do whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why else do you think I was traveling the whole way around the world? Um, exactly. That's got to be done. And I am I would say I'm going to terminate this because I'm sick with jealousy, but I hope you have a wonderful time. I say that too. <laughs> I'm like, have a great time. Thank you. And now look, so we are at Edoras. <laughs> Fires are burning. Oh, wait, no, I also forgot to say, so that's my adult version, but I have a child version of where I would have gone. If you oh, me, okay. Oh, I'm, we've never had this. I know, I know, uh, which is to the Abbey in Redwall for the food. Do you know what? I've literally just done a recording on who said exactly the same thing. You're the third person. And one of my dear friend's neighbours also said it, and she the food she was like salivating discussing this food you can buy the cookbook did you know this you can the thing that i miss most about twitter because i don't i don't really engage much with twitter anymore um but i used to love there was a bot that did um red wall food like it would tweet out um what was on the menu for the day and i really miss that but yeah if i if you'd asked me that when i was like 11 oh my god that's where we would be going, hundred percent. But I think maybe they can the like grown-up version of that, really. Yeah. Maybe they can deliver some bits from the Abbey. Okay. Yeah, we can just we just mash all this together. We just see what comes out. Do you know what I mean, yeah. Well, they would talk a lot about cheese, which I do. I bloody love I cheese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of cheese, cheese and wine, and some nice cured meats. Mm. Oh, and they're like, they would talk about oat files with honey. Oh my God. My my whole mouth is filled with saliva. <laughs> okay. This is excellent, by the way. You've, mm. you've painted an excellent scene here. I like the detail to food because that is very important as far as it is, Yes, exactly. But now it hinges on the guests. No pressure. I'm ready. I'm Who's ready. the first person to mm. arrive at Edoras? So I've got quite a mixed list. Okay. Only only four guests, but you know, Ooh. we can have that. So first for the fun vibes would be Terry Pratchett, because I love him so much. I have just read Mort um after I don't even know how long it's been since I read any Terry Pratchett, and he is incredible. Just so <laughs> my my entire system of political philosophy and morality is 100% created by Terry Pratchett and his novels and I began reading them as a child and read them still as an adult and what's nice is they were quite funny when I was a kid and they're really funny <laughs> now that I'm so much of it goes over your head as a child yeah. over your head yeah exactly yeah. um which is the beauty I, I think of Terry Pratchett um, but he was also just a very um, kind and equitable and kind of, you know, upstanding person. And he is deeply missed 
I never met him, but I miss him all the time. And I'm very sad that we won't get any more Terry Pratchett books. Um, so he would be first on my list because I think he'd be cracking fun. Oh, I agree. And I could imagine him holding court around the fire, telling stories and, and his imagination. I think as well, he was really quite ahead of his mm-hmm. time with some of his thinking and his characters and his viewpoints yeah. that are in his novels were incredible. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's just all kinds of, I think I think every kid should read Terry Pratchett because I think they teach you how to have empathy for other people and how to care about not just yourself but the world and how you live in it and 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 how you affect it and that's really important so yes you know all of that but also they are extremely funny and great and I love them you started strong so I'm going to give you that so far you're on track all right so pressure so next guest the queen also for the same reasons because she's very 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 funny uh hillary mantel oh okay yep yeah yep she uh obviously would be i think super interesting to talk to i don't know that she'd want to come i i don't know if edoras would be her vibe <laughs> but she's very funny especially in her early novels um, i'm trying to imagine her and terry pratchett together as well i think that could be fascinating we need to make that happen i don't know how but i think they would get on extremely well um and and then I could ask her questions and then of, of course you know because the, this is my evening she would tell me that I'm a I'm a I'm a fantastic writer and that I'm crucial to the future of literature <laughs> that's the word she's going to use I might use that as the quote for the <laughs> Kate Collins crucial <laughs> a quote by Kate by Kate Collins <laughs> uh so yeah I think I I think she'd actually be uh, a scream uh, next on my list, who would not be a scream, but would be 100% there for the vibes, Lady Macbeth, obviously. Oh, you really did a full, okay. Yeah. That was a full 360 there, I feel. Yeah. This is this is my charm, you know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not mad at Lady Macbeth. I'm just wondering, it depends what incarnation mm-hmm. we're going for as well. How we're viewing her. Was she kind of dark murderous or was she, yeah. oh, okay. Oh yeah, she's 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 there to bring the kind of like spooky, sexy, witchy vibe. Oh, okay. I like I, that. Um, I like Lady. I read the recent um, Lady Macbeth ad, the kind of recent incarnation oh. of her, which I loved. Yeah. Very interesting take on her and her kind of background and things I didn't know about her, like her having a child before and being married before yeah, Beth and yeah. things I didn't know. So, but also I think she'd be very interesting conversation. I think so. Imagine the tales she could tell you. I was very lucky. I recently saw Macbeth at the RSC in Stratford. Um, and uh, Lady Macbeth was played by a wonderful... Actually, the whole cast is Scottish, except for her. She's a Northern Irish actress called Valine Kane. I think that's how you pronounce it. She was in The Fall with Jamie Dornan. Um, and she did a brilliant Lady Macbeth, very like mildly unhinged, but quite sort of sexy, go slowly mad, like quite sort of spooky vibe. She was excellent. And I was like, I want that. <laughs> Lady, oh, Lady Macbeth is turning up. And I think Terry and Hillary can hold their own. Exactly. So it all hinges on your final guest. Yes. So my final guests are the uh, sisters from the Virgin Suicides. Again, for the vibe. 
just, I'm like just kind of wandering around being weird like spooky kind of weird religious weird which is the best kind of weird I've never read the book I've only ever seen the film and the film was very unsettling I think I yes. watched the film way too young as well to have been watching it but I'm, I'm just trying to picture them in Edoras <laughs> <laughs> they I'm have a great time right so in the book like especially there's a couple of them like they just want to you know have a good time so right. the, the book is really interesting in that it's told from a sort of outside perspective. It's told, it's sort of narrated by a neighbour who watches their family from across the street and kind yeah. of tells you what happens to the girls. You don't get much of their interiority, which is really like a really interesting mm. device. Um, and they are quite spooky and kind of... Um, there's one who's like mega religious. There's one who's kind of sex mad and sort of. Um, the book is is surprisingly funny in 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 places. Um, but the film is also the film does a great job of kind of capturing the vibe of the book. Yeah, That's I'm definitely gonna have to read the book now. You've really sold it to me. Oh, it's one of my favorites, and it's kind of slightly surreal, quite sad. It kind really of gave me like culty vibes. Like when I was watching yeah. the film, it's almost got that kind of manson family kind of underpinning of kind of straight you know that yeah, kind of vibe yeah they, flower they, hippie children and like it's very it's very uneasy they kind of operate as a unit sisters so i think like a cult is a good description um so i'm so yeah. gonna be drawn to lady Macbeth, and something is gonna happen there i feel like you've got two very clear factions she'd probably just try and seize power <laughs> which would be like a, a bit of a dampener on the vibe i feel like <laughs> I do feel like maybe we're putting. Oh my god, I've forgotten the king's name, but we might be putting him at some. Hey, yeah. It's, oh god, who? Yes. I him. was like Bernard Hill, that guy. <laughs> King Bernard. Oh, he's so good. Um. So yeah, we would have all the Virgin Suicides sisters there, just kind of floating around for the vibe, really. Okay, so usually this is the point where I ask if there's anyone who's not welcome. I mean, this is a very odd gathering. So I'm wondering if there's anyone you feel would ruin the vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So who's who's uh, not on the guest list? Who's not a VIP? Um, that would be my fellow author, Nadine Dorries. She's not invited. Very fair. Also, <laughs> but then a little part of me would love to witness her with Lady Macbeth. And also Hilary Mantel and Terry Pratchett. I feel they would be tearing some shreds. I actually feel like if we had more time, we could probably draw some quite interesting parallels between Nadine Dorries and Lady Macbeth. If you want to make Boris Johnson a sad Macbeth, <laughs> a very like unsuccessful, although Macbeth is also very unsuccessful. So there's 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 a lot of parallels there there are some parallels you here good essay, actually there's a rewriting a retelling set within <laughs> 10 downing street happening as <laughs> can you i can i can picture her running around out down spot definitely oh well look this has been a really interesting evening and i mean that completely because i think it's unlike anything we've had before <laughs> sorry <laughs> no I like the weird stuff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna join the Pratchett Mantel table if that's okay with you. I'm gonna sit Aww. well out the way and just watch what's happening 
and get steadily you know, drunk on me. With, with Nadine, I would like to be in the middle of some quite nice men on horses. That well, I'm be- hoping Aragorn will show up. That's what I'm hoping. You know, yeah. I wasn't so keen on the nephew, Emma. Wasn't so keen on him. Oh, really? Carl mm, Urban really doesn't do it for me. His yeah, eyes are quite wide set. <laughs> Carl Urban, not normally, but Carl Urban in a long blonde wig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, Orlando Bloom in a long blonde wig. It does. It does. No. The long I was never Cavill, facing in real life, long blonde wig. It's all we need. As as women, we're quite basic creatures. Just stick a long blonde wig and everything is okay. Wow. Oh. If but then you've got Boris, long blonde, blonde hair. Oh does not work so well now i really want to like write a great parody piece about nadine and diaries as lady macbeth which i'm sure is a completely unoriginal thought and somebody much funnier than me will have done that already so perhaps i shall go and hunt for it but i think that'll be really we'll be out there cool. somewhere and look, before i let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening and pour <clears> another gmt are <throat> you reading anything at the moment always uh so i have i've been like on a sort of mild non-fiction kick um, so I just finished Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. I have also read that. Very, very good. Very, very interesting. <laughs> but an excellent read. And I've just finished a reread of Into Thin Air by John Krakauer about the 96 uh, Everest disaster. Oh, very yes. Good. Extremely good. They've made a film of it called Everest, which... I think Kate, the, I'm ever so house. sorry. Yes. May I just run off for two minutes? Because my son is screaming from upstairs. <laughs> yeah. I will be just a moment. I might I'm gonna mute myself for a moment because it might involve me yelling at him. So Go give me it. one moment. <laughs> Go for it. I'm so sorry about about it. I you had to listen to Timothy shuffling around. <laughs> I like ignored him as much as I could, and I was like, "Oh God, I'm actually gonna." Have to oh, right. So sorry about that. So okay. we've just talked about the into thin air. <laughs> yeah, um, and you. And I've just, I've also just finished. I like reading sort of. I usually have sort of two or three on the go. Okay. At once, I, I kind of, I don't read them simultaneously, but I'll read a bit. And then I'll kind of fancy. I've just done that recently. I've never been able to do it before, mm. but I can see the appeal. I like it. Um, I just also finished uh, "Still Life with Bones" by Alexa Hegarty. Oh, uh, she is a forensic anthropologist. Oh. And it's a book about her time um, going through or like uncovering mass graves um, as a result of the civil unrest in Guatemala. It's extremely oh, wow. harrowing, but very very beautiful. Um, she writes very well so it's it's an it's an odd thing to say about such a, a difficult topic but yeah. it's, it's a really beautiful book um 
lots of kind of meditation on life and humanity and really, really recommend that one. And then next, I am about to start Super Infinite by Catherine Randell on the life of John Donne. And I'm really excited because that's got great reviews. Oh my goodness. You're tackling some pretty deep reads here as well. This is quite a mix. But then I'll also go through like rereading all of Stephen King over the summer, right? So like, I just think you have to go with go with your gut and pick up a, a book that intrigues you rather than kind of feeling like you have to read stuff. Yeah, I'm adding all of these to my list as well. Apart from Catch a Kill, yeah. which I've read and love, these all sound so up my street. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get that one. I'm going to get that one. It's dangerous. Good. And I like really get in the mood for, you know, do I want fiction? Do I want nonfiction? Yeah. Do I want sort of like, you know, am I going to go back to a Terry Pratchett? Am I going to read something brand new? So I read quite a lot of new books over the summer, which was great. So I read The Guest by Emma Klein. Loved that. Um, Mrs. S by Kay Patrick, amazing. Uh, Kick the Latch by Catherine Scanlon, extremely, extremely good. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been spoiled this year. We've had so many great releases. Oh my goodness! Well, thank you, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful recording. Um, I feel like we've really delved into your psyche a little bit here <laughs> as well. So, <laughs> don't much put a warning at the start. <laughs> Oh, come on, this is tame. It's like Lord of the Rings and Terry Pratchett. It is tame. It is tame. It is tame. Then you chucked to the Virgin Suicide Girls, and I was like, oh, okay. You have to think of the vibe. No, I it think- is the vibe. You've got witchy, creepy, culty women and some good eggs. Love a cult. No, I've had such a nice time. Thank you so much for having me. I mean that very sincerely. And thank you. Shout out to Jen for connecting us because I've had a whale of a time. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Novel Evening. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. Please remember to go over and rate, subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcasts and check us out on Instagram at A Novel Evening Podcast and over on TikTok under the same name and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.